Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How you doing today? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. Uh, We're here to intellectually think about arguments and see if it makes sense in the world that we live in. We're going to look at history, science, archaeology, and and, uh, philosophy, and then we're going to weigh it on a scale of reality and see where you stand when it comes to your convictions to your worldview. As you know, we've been talking about canonizing the scriptures. We are on the fifth part. It should be the last part. And we're getting down to the very end of the topic about canonizing. So we got four other topics that you could look through. Now for today, we are going to talk about the free transmission compared to the controlled transmission of manuscripts. Now there's a reason to talk about this. And the reason I bring this topic up, we know there are over 400,000 variants in the Bible. As a student, when you meet the professor or an atheist on the college campus, they will say, why do you believe in that Bible? Men who wrote that Bible, we know that there are heirs in it. If men wrote this Bible, we know that there are heirs in it. And why would you trust it if there's heirs in it? First of all, we have been talking about the cumulative argument of the reliability of the Bible and the reason why it's reliable. Also, whatever you want to say about the Bible, we do know there is not one Christian doctrinal tenet that is shattered or can be swayed towards error. That's a good place to start when we are talking about 2,000 years of history. As a matter of fact, when talking about the free transmission of the Bible, You have to picture this family tree. I think we've all seen pictures of family trees, but instead of putting names there, I want you to put manuscripts there. It starts with the original copy goes out, and it gets copied, and those get copied, and those get copied. So you start with one copy and one original. Then you have eight copies from the one copy with one original. So now you have 16 copies in one original, and thereafter you end up with uh, 5,800 manuscripts or copies from the original Greek language used during the first century of biblical times. Now, there was no printing press. You need to remember that. It wasn't until the early 15th century that we had the printing press. So all was done by hand as they would copy. And as copies was going Uh, that the copying would be done by scribes, elders, educated people, 
uneducated people copying documents. And during this time, you had persecution, burning of scrolls intentionally by soldiers, burying, burying manuscripts while on the run, and some were saved in libraries. And as 100, 200, 500 years go by, we begin to find more and more of these copies of these documents. Certainly, there were times when men in power of the church didn't want anybody making copies. But then, by then, it was too late. Copies were scattered all over the landscape. Consider for a moment, consider for a moment if we controlled our manuscripts. Now, remember, we're talking about the free transmission and the controlled transmission. So you have a controlled manuscript. We would keep and make one book called the Bible, and we would throw all the rest of the manuscripts we found into the sea. Now, implementing this would or could not validate we have the correct manuscripts because there would be nothing to compare to know if it was true or not, right? We got rid of all the manuscripts and just kept one book this whole time for 2,000 years. We couldn't validate if it was true. We would just say, yeah, it is true, and that settles it. But that's not the way it works in history. Now, there are people who've done this before in religions. We have the Quran. In history, we do have this religion called the, uh, the Quran with Muhammad. Now, Muhammad died, and Umar realized that after the battle of Umama, many who memorized the Quran in the battle had died. So Umar began to press Abu Bakr, the caliph. The caliph is the leader, the head of the Islamic State, he started calling out for him to write down the Quran before it's too late. Now that after Abu Bakr was convinced of the deal, he asked Zayd bin Thabit to find the writings of the Quran and to start collecting them and compiling them. So Zayd bin Thabit accepted this responsibility. He started collecting the Quran. The verses on the Quran were scattered on parchments, scopula, leaf stalks, bark, white rock, palm branches, and after they had gathered the pieces of the Quran and made one unique Quran, Abu Bakr ordered all the other copies to be destroyed. The problem with the controlled transmission is that they will never know if they had or have the correct Quran. They burnt all the early writings in a pot of oil. You see, but Christians we have always done, what we have always done is kept all the manuscripts, no matter how little, no matter how big, no matter if it said something different, we would keep them. This way, we have the evidence all laid out to historically look at all the documents. This is why free transmission is better than controlled transmission. Now, I want to talk about variants, and we're going to spend most of our time talking about variants. Now, the Bible, remember, it has about 138,000 words in the Greek New Testament, and we have 400,000 variants. Now, there's three variants per word in the Bible. Think about that. We have almost four times more variants than words in the Bible, now, I do want to answer the question about men wrote the Bible, and we know that there are errors in it, and why do we trust it? 
When we talk about variants in the Bible, the atheists would like to call them errors. There's a problem with that definition. Historically, we have three types of variants that we need to talk about. We don't call them errors, as you will see why in a moment. Remember, the manuscripts have a family tree. We have 5,800 of the original Greek language in Koine Greek. Koine simply means the Greek word for common. The reason why we use the word variant instead of an heir, when you're dealing with manuscripts, you have family trees that go from generation to generation or copy to copy. And from these copies, you are able to form a concise document. And if not, you wait for more material. So what is a variant? This is very important. A textual variant is simply any differences from a standard text that involves spelling, word order, omission, addition, substitution, or rewrite of the text, accidentally skipping a word or a line, or even copying the same line twice. A definition for variance can also be that it it's an alternative alternative or a substitute. Also, a variant is a form or a version of something that differs in some respect from other forms or from that same thing or from that same standard. Before we talk about variants, listen to the position Bart Ehrman takes on variants. You see, every atheist, every skeptic, and other religions like to use Bart's books as proof that the Bible is corrupt. Well, this is what Bart Ehrman says on his quote of misquoting Jesus on page 252. He says, The position I argue for for in misquoting Jesus does not actually stand at odds with Professor Metzger's position that the essential Christian beliefs are not affected by textual variants in the manuscript tradition of the New Testament. What he is saying and making claim to, that there is no essential doctrines of the Christian tenets that are swayed or in error because of every all the variants we have in the Bible. Now that's, that's good, guys, as we look at this. So let's, there's three types of structures we look at for variants. Let's look at some of the definitions. So first there's viable, okay? Viable means it's, the definition of viable means that it's capable of working and functioning. And then you got a variant that is viable only if it has a good possibility of being part of the original wording. So a variant is viable only if it has a good possibility of being part of the original wording. Now, a variant is meaningful only if it changes the meaning of the text. And now I want to look at uh, variants that are neither viable nor meaningful. But we'll do this in the second part of Throughout All Ages, 1530 apologetics this is joe and we'll see you on the second half thanks for being with us at throughout all ages 
Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85 percent of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Join Creation Fellowship's Antees Apologetics Speaker Series Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. 1 Peter verse 3 chapter 15 says, To always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Creation Fellowship's Antees brand name apologetic speakers will do just that. Equip you with the knowledge and tactics to explain your Christian faith. Get equipped Thursday nights at 6.30. Learn more on Facebook and YouTube at Creation Fellowship Santee or email Santee at gmail.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona on K-Praise. How you doing? Well, here we are in the second part of talking about canonizing the scriptures. This is Joe Gaona with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. We are talking about variants. Now, there are three types of structures when we look at variants. The first one of variants is neither neither viable nor meaningful. In other words, it does not change the meaning of the text. When it's not viable, it does not change the meaning of the text. When it's not meaningful, it's a part, it does, cannot be a part of the original wordings. So when it's not meaningful, it cannot be a part of the original wordings. And then we got variants that are meaningful, but not viable. And when we talk about this meaningful, it means that it may change the meaning of the text. Not viable, it does not have enough support or manuscripts to change the original wording or the original talk context that we have for the Bible. For instance, if you have one manuscript that has a different word than the other 50 manuscripts, this would not be viable unless we can begin to find more documents that say the same thing. Now, the third one is variants that are meaningful and viable. So they are meaningful and viable. Meaningful means, and viable is, well, let's put it this way. Meaningful and viable is the smallest and most significant group of variants. These have a good chance of being authentic, and they can change the meaning of the context of the text, or they can actually become the original text. This is variants that are meaningful and viable. So let me give you some examples. For instance, variants um, that are neither viable nor meaningful. Okay, So remember, we have 400,000 variants, 99% of all of them, so all 400,000 of them, 99% of them do not change the text. They are neither viable nor meaningful. Meaningful, 
And this would be something like if you had the word John in the manuscripts, one would spell it with one N. Another person would spell it with two N's. But if we put the manuscripts together, right, we know they're trying to get the word John. So they're not meaningful or viable. For instance, if the manuscript said, Jesus Christ is Lord, and then you found another manuscript that says, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then there was another manuscript that just said, Jesus the Lord, and it didn't have Christ in it. Well, that would not be viable or meaningful because we know that the context, the original context of that is the Lord Jesus Christ, or even the Lord Jesus would give it the same context. So we can take those three manuscript copies and know definitely what the context is and what the manuscript is conveying. Yet it is still a variant. That's 99% of the 400 thousand variants. Now let's look at an example of meaningful but not viable. Now remember meaningful means that these types of variants deal with readings that are found in a single manuscript or two manuscripts, but we have 50 other manuscripts that are all alike. But we would still keep these manuscripts, even if there was just one or two, we keep them because as the years go on, we want to see if we find other manuscripts to match this up. So something that is not viable is, is that it would not be part of the original text. It's not, it wouldn't be part of the original text. Uh, however, um, if you have one or two manuscripts, it's little likelihood that it's going to go back to the wording of the original text. So we use the 50 manuscripts that give some support. So remember, viable meaning that it's, 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 it's not, if it's viable, it will change the context. If it's meaningful, it might be part of the original text. So let me give you an example of this. So 1 Thessalonians 2.7 says, But we were gentle among you. And remember, these are Greek manuscripts. It says, but we were gentle among you, appeals, like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So we have some other manuscripts that says that we were infants among you, not peels. So one scribe, one person wrote appeals, and the other guy wrote nupeals. He put it in and there. It changes it from gentle to infants. So one scripture says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. And the other scripture says, but we were infants among you like a nursing mother. And it doesn't change the context of the words. So it's not viable. And the other thing is that we do have one manuscript where the person who wrote it actually put an H in front of it. And it was Hippio. Now, that's funny because what it says is, but we were like a horse among you. And so we know that was a, a complete a wrong manuscript, but we do keep that. So another example would be this. This is a second example. In 1 Thessalonians 2.9, it says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Well, that word, the gospel of God, we have a late medieval manuscript from the 13th century that uses the word gospel of Christ. 
For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We were working night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of Christ. So here we see that, yeah, it's meaningful, but it's not viable. It's not going to change the context of who uh, the gospel is about. And so whether they say the gospel of God or the gospel of Christ, it doesn't change any. And I want you to see the variance that we have in the Bible. The other one that we want to talk about, the third one, is meaningful and viable. So we want to look at and see what's meaningful and viable. Meaningful and viable, remember, it's the smallest one. It's it's under the 1%, probably around 5.5%. Uh, and when we look at some of these examples, this is what it looks like. Now, man, remember, meaningful and viable means that it can change the context for sure, and it can change the original meaning, meaning of the Bible. So this is it, Romans 5.1. We have a, a manuscript, that's, we have a, lots of manuscripts that say, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So it, the word we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you have two manuscripts that says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the difference between these two phrases is used in other places in scriptures. See, one is saying we have peace with God because it comes from God, and only God can give you this peace, especially when we are talking about salvation. It must come from God. So we have peace with God would be used for something God gives for free, that God gives a grace to you. Now, let us have peace with God. On the other hand, as we talk about uh, this one, let us have peace with God is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace is a fruit of the Spirit that grows in a Christian. So let us have peace with God. This comes by walking in his will or to obey him practically, and you have this peace response from living out your life a walking like Christ Jesus. So these are the two examples. The other, uh, I mean, that is one of the examples. The other example is this, is First John 1, 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That's what uh, John is saying. And there is another manuscript that says that we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. So these manuscripts are meaningful and viable. Is it our joy be complete or your joy be complete. But I want you to know, ultimately, when we look at these, that at the very end in Scripture, you remember positionally being saved by salvation, we have God doing the work. Practically, we have us uh, coming before God and saying, change us, make us more like you. So even on this Scripture, our joy or your joy we have that all over Scripture, noting that, that Paul is pleased, his joy is full, that, that you are running the race and that he came to you and gave you the gospel. At other times, the Scriptures talk about our joy being full and complete because our forefathers, our fathers in the faith, our, the apostles, gave us the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Now, there are three big verses in the Bible that we're not going to talk about today because I'm going to talk about it at a later time. That's Mark 16, 9 to 20, the last ending of Mark. 
The pericope, which is the woman caught in adultery, that's John seven fifty three to eight eleven, and then we have First John five seven and eight uh, that talks about testifying of the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. But we will talk about those three. Those are the only three big items we have in the Bible, Bible, and we will talk about those in a later time. The last thing I want to bring to you is remember when we're talking about canonizing the Scripture. We have justifiable historical answers why we believe in what we believe in, and that you could trust the canonizing of Scripture to be reliable, trustworthy, and a foundation that we could stand on. And it wasn't like someone was playing telephone tag. It wasn't like someone was just saying the word one time and no one ever heard it again. People heard these manuscripts being read over and over and written down for our convenience to know that we have a foundation. Again, thank you for being part of Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. This is Joe, and I hope you continue coming back and being a part of Throughout All Ages. We'll see you next week. That's a take, and this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise.